two scripture passages today, one from Isaiah and one from Matthew. The Isaiah passage was being said to people who were really living in darkness. They were living in very difficult, troubled times. So, So when you hear that read, really think about what it would be like to hear those words from a very difficult place where things seemed really hopeless. And then the Matthew passage, we're hearing the story that we've heard and read over and over again about the wise men visiting the baby Jesus. Try to, to listen for some of the turning points in that story, the decisions that they made, and the journey that they took. Hear now the word of God from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried in on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And now please stand for the reading of the gospel. From the gospel of Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born the king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem was was with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time that the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down 
and they paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Holy wisdom, holy word. Please be seated. My five-year-old son, Pete, is really into space right now. If you were to come to our house, you would, um, and you, if you were invited to his bedroom, which not everyone is, but if you were invited up to see his things, you would see this huge multi-story spaceship that he has built out of masking tape and boxes and sort of scraps of tidbits of, I don't even know what, bottle caps and duct tape and all kinds of things he's found around the house. This incredible spaceship. And he spends lots of time in it, traveling through space. And he also memorizes facts about space and various planets, and he's always asking people questions about it. And recently, he shared an observation that stuck with me. He said, Mom, did you know that the stars are out and shining even when you can't see them? And I said, wow. That's, that's, I mean, I did know that, but still, it was, it was something, you know, like, yeah. And he said, did I just blow your mind? <laughs> and in a way, he did, because it's not something I think about. It's not something any of us think about very often. But, you know, we only can see the stars shining when we're surrounded by darkness. While I know in the back of my mind they're up there right now, it's hard to wrap my head around the idea that they shine just as brightly during the day as they do at night. We just can't make them out when the backdrop is blue sky or clouds. Is that your experience? Did, just to check in, did any of you see stars on the way here? No. Okay. Then we're all on the same page. We're going to come back and talk about the sky in a minute, but first we're going to talk about some other things. I want to, um, to, to go back to the first scripture this morning. Um, there's some parts I'd like to hear you, you to hear again. The word from Isaiah, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of God is rising upon you. Though darkness still covers the earth and dense cloud enshrouds the peoples, that's all of us, upon you God now dawns, and God's glory will be seen among you. Wow. That's, that's a message. Isaiah's living in dark times. There are foreign armies surrounding Israel. So people feel like they're, well, and they literally are under siege. People are having their children taken away from them. The Babylonians have wiped out Jerusalem. They've destroyed the temple. The economy's in the tank. The few Israelites that are left don't feel safe at all. They're afraid, they're grieving, they're broke, they're broken. There seems to be no hope. And yet Isaiah is proclaiming that God's light has come. It's, it's there. And that's going to draw together nations. It's going to bring families back together when they've been torn apart. It's going to mean that there are resources again so that they have what they need to, to have homes again, have food that they need. Stability and community are going to make a comeback. 
God's light is shining right now. Can you see it? This is a stark contrast to the reality of the people to whom he's preaching, because their reality is one of fear. They live in grief and instability. They're looking back to the good old days, when times were easier and much more stable than they are now. And I suspect that many of them can't really see or comprehend this vision of light. It's not unlike hearing for the first time that the stars are actually there right now, even when you can't see them. And then we've got this story in Matthew, the story of the wise men, or sometimes they're called the magi. And the magi, as I said, aren't kings, they're astronomers. They studied stars as a means of understanding the forces of nature and the news of the day. The word magi shares a root with the word magic. And while we don't know exactly what their practices of astronomy or magic entailed, we know that part of magic for us is opening our eyes to wonder. It's seeing new possibilities where there once were none. It's expecting that you're going to have your mind blown by new information breaking into the world. This openness, this sense of possibility, this is what causes the Magi to go and check out the stars for themselves, check out that particular star, not just to observe it from a distance, but to go try to figure out what it's all about. This is in contrast to some of the folks that they met in Jerusalem on their way, Herod and the religious leaders. They said, go ahead, see what's going on, find the baby, bring a report back to us. Now, it's only six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, which is a relatively short trip by camel. It was one that was made a lot. Um, but it was only the Magi who really decided we're going to make that trip because we want to see with our own eyes what's happening in this place. And when they find the Holy Family, they rejoice. They share gifts that are fit for a king. And along with gold and frankincense and myrrh, they bring an openness that really allows them to see what's before them. God incarnate. God born into an empire whose rules are so strict that a nine-month pregnant mother must travel in order to participate in a census no excuses. God born in a shelter for animals. God born as an infant in dangerous times, in a risky place. God born into a broken world, a world shaped by political and economic systems that somehow made it make sense for a poor woman to give birth in a barn. While our nativity sets and our Christmas pageants have sanitized this story, we know that the cares of the world are pressing on this holy family and on their guests. The light of the star shines so very bright over them because they are truly surrounded by darkness. And as we celebrate this day of Epiphany, we journey with the Magi to meet the baby. And we do so amid forces that sometimes feel beyond our control. We bring the messy realities of our lives with us. Our grief, our loss, 
our financial stress, our broken relationships, our struggles, our frustrations, our desire for things to go better, our attempts to try harder, our yearnings, our loves, our best work, and our best gifts. We carry all of these things into the light of God's star. And when we let God's light shine through even the darkest corners of our lives, like the Magi, we too can be transformed. The story says that when the Magi left, they went home by a different way. It's a good metaphor, I think, for what happens when we encounter God. Such encounters can help you find a new path, see a way where it seemed that there was no way. It can draw you away from systems that oppress, economies that pollute, relationships that harm. And it can draw you toward people who share your desire to see God's love and God's grace and God's justice for all people. And it can draw you to serve those who most need to experience God's love and grace and justice for themselves. Here's the thing, though. When it's time to leave the manger, to go home, to walk away from that bright light, and to choose that new path, it can be really hard to see and really hard to find your way. We live in a muddled world where it can be hard to see the difference between light and its absence. God's stars and all the stars are shining bright all the time. But when so many of our days are marked by gray skies, it can be really, really hard to see them. And to contribute to that gray is our own tendency to vacillate between darkness and light. Some days I'm all about carrying God's bright light to those who are needing to see it. And other days I'm searching for it myself. And even though you've been sitting here listening to me, you don't know which kind of day I'm having right now. And when I look out at all of you, you all look great. <laughs> and I don't know which kind of day you're actually having right now. In the words of Glennon Melton Doyle, people who need help sometimes look a lot like people who don't need help. So, if you're having a bright light kind of day, it's your call to take that light into the darkest places and to take it into the gray places. If you're not sure if you're in a place where God's light is needed, it's probably needed, even if you can't see it. And if you're having a wandering in the dark kind of day, trust, as hard as it is, trust that the darkness will help you see the light better. God is already with you, even if you can't quite perceive it. Arise, your light has come. The stars are shining right now.